Hello everyone and welcome to the We Only Do One Take podcast on this fine, fine Thursday we release it, but it's technically a Tuesday today, so that's good. <laughs> we try our best. We, we do. <laughs> we do. As always, I've got uh, Mr. Turch with me. How you doing, Kieran? Looks like he's shaven recently, so well done. <laughs> yeah, subtly. Fresh, freshly I shaven. Of, I got rid of some of the beard, but uh, I felt like I was still in the holiday mode with the long beard, but bit more uh, smart, casual work I ready. think I was going to say, I think you've gone back to work because your hair is cut. I haven't had a haircut yet. Oh, really? Just oh. the beard. Okay. Look, well. it shaved years off my life. Wait. <laughs> years off my face. Is that a thing? I don't know. When you look like a baby face kind of thing? I don't know. Now I'm watching The Room all over again. This is you are tearing me apart, And Lisa. sitting next to me, and this is very special because he's got his own mic. We're not sharing a <laughs> mic. We're a very professional podcast. This is the podcast. first time we've had three mics working at the same on. time and not had to share anything. That's right. Uh, if we can get a round of applause, please welcome Mr. Matt. Whoa, yeah. Uh, I'm digging that uh, that round of applause sound effect. I really appreciate it. it it'll be there. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm super excited. Um, I shaved quite recently as well. Uh, I shaved the top of my head, mm-hmm. um, and now it's just become a regular thing. Uh, it's one of those things where once you go bald, there's no going back. Yeah. It doesn't rhyme. It's not as catchy. That's why less people do it. <laughs> but, uh, but it's still there. It's still something that's been working for me. I, I will have to get there. My hair is thinning. And it's every year it's getting thinner and thinner. Embrace it. And I don't want to be my father because my father had like two bits of hair. We combed over the front. And the comb over. Like the comb over. Doing a proper comb over. And I was just look. like, shave it. That wasn't a good look in the 50s and people have still <laughs> persisted. Yeah. Mm. So I, if that's me, maybe I'll do it out of spite. I might do it out of spite. <laughs> hey, Dad, guess what? I've got the same haircut as you. That's right. <laughs> If my, if I did that and my and I said that to my dad, he'd be like, "You're an idiot. I'm going bald. You goddamn idiot." It's <laughs> <laughs> a game of hair chicken yeah, with your parents. Yeah, real, real, real ba- the real battle of wits. That one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So it must be. Is it good being bald or shaven? Uh it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, part of me wants to go that it is low maintenance. That's one of the things that you would immediately assume because mm-hmm. there's nothing. You don't have to put any product in, and there's no stress. And yet. Every other day, every three days or so, I've got to take a razor to my head and it takes its time. It takes its toll. Um, sometimes I'm left with some pretty nasty, nasty cuts. And if you thought aftershave on your, on your chin and neck was bad, try it on your scalp, which is used to being super sensitive and not copying just about just, anything. I, I've got to ask, do you actually put aftershave on your scalp? Is that something that happens? I've done it. Yeah, I've done it. And, <laughs> and you know what? Or? No, no, I did it. Like I had that kind of lotion or whatever that you put on yep. that you meant to, you know, something from the body shop next week's ad, if you need. Um, I can, <laughs> I'll get you the name. And um, so you meant to put that on. I was on. just going to say, plug it now. Why not plug it now? <laughs> I wish I knew. It's uh, it's like a maca root thing. I, now I sound like I'm on a Joe Rogan show. It's, it, it comes from the root of some like thing from the wow. Amazon. Wait, wow. Of, wow. <laughs> He's talking about a competition. It's okay. I don't think... <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's no contest. You guys are easily at, the better I don't podcast. think Joe Rogan's at our level yet. That's right. <laughs> oh. And speaking at our level yet... Kieran, I just want to give you a big congratulations because yes. as of right now, as as I'm checking in, you can see my screen when I switch it over. We have had over 205 plays of our podcast, which is double as much as last week. Well done. That's amazing. We have only been up for, what are we, episode eight? Well, episode eight. So two like, months now. Yeah, about two months. Uh, 200, pl- 200 listens of our... And from last week, we've doubled. Doubled. Yeah, That's, like that's full on. 
Like, who's listening? We've got nine. Because I'm, I'm not listening anymore. <laughs> I, I do it and then I forget about well, it. Well, we have on on uh, SoundCloud we have nine followers. Well, followers is the big one. Yeah, listens could just be the same person. Yeah, that's but right. Followers takes different people. That's wicked. Nine followers, so nine people, and in the last seven days or so, seventy-eight listens. I'm wow. gonna. This is gonna sound really bad considering I'm a person that turns up every week for the podcast. <laughs> What is the difference? What is a follower? So a follower's like, you know when you like something on Facebook and it comes uh, up in your feed? Uh-huh. So they'll get notifications every time we update, uh, put up a new episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like so they're dedicated. Yeah, like yeah. a subscriber. They're going to they're gonna be the first to consume this podcast. That's right. And we love them with all our heart because they're the ones that are make, giving us the, the fuel to continue on with this and make this the best goddamn podcast I've ever listened to. So thank you very much to all our followers. As soon as we get to 10, I'm starting a Patreon account. You're starting a Patreon yeah. account at 10? So at there we 10. Go, people. There it's we probably going to take forever to get to 10. But <laughs> <laughs> Basically, if even half your listeners donated just $1 a month through Patreon, we'll you be might loaded. be able to get a pot of beer <laughs> per month. That's, that's pretty Half a pot each. <laughs> oh my God, we could, we could, we could actually start... Not buying drinks while we do the show. Wouldn't that be amazing if we were just enough a month that we could buy a bottle of scotch a month and that would be what, what we do. And we'd actually have a Patreon-sponsored scotch. Oh. <laughs> we're now, now we're talking. Oh. <laughs> I'm now dreaming. So, people, get on to SoundCloud. Give us an, one more follower. The 10th follower will allow us to start our Patreon. Or Kieran will do it. I've done everything else. <laughs> Kieran can start the Patreon. <laughs> I've got a witness. I've got a witness. <laughs> it's going to happen. Da- Mash is the witness. That's dangerous now. Now that it, I've got the witness, you don't. <laughs> and my witness is feeding me cheese, which is great. Is it great, is it? It is. It is. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. All right. I've got a rant, everyone. Oh, uh, okay. So I, as people might, as our nine followers might know, I work at a, at a university. I won't name the university. Yep. Let's just call it. Um, and I had to put in a work request the other day. There was, you know, something needed to be done. Let's just say the floor needed to be vacuumed. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to blame who spilt crumbs on the floor. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> Let's not get bogged down with who did what. That's not important. But a work request had to be put in. So I thought, how, how do you put in a work request? So I Googled. Uh, I googled work. You, you googled it. I googled it. <laughs> Did you call like the front desk? Like you just go, yeah. oh look, admin staff. Is there no like that. standard operating procedure? Yeah. At- <laughs> surely, surely this Alfred gentleman would have established a fine university, wherein they had proper standard procedures for the cleaning up of crumbs. They took away our phones. I used to have a phone on my desk, and I I enjoyed the phone. Oh, so you couldn't call anyone. <laughs> Because <laughs> I always called IT because I didn't uh, know how to get printed. That's done. why they took, Is that the why they took it away. <laughs> that's right. They took it off because they're like, oh, this fucker just keeps calling. I'd call and the then library, the, they'll send me books. It was great. The worst part is that now you don't have a phone with which to lodge a work request, which brings us back to square one. Okay, so, so you, you were Googled. Googling. So I had to, had to use Dr. Google. And uh, I, I found this website or whatever, and it said, okay, step one, you know, lodge a work request. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do that. <laughs> This is Step one of how to lodge a work request is lodge a work request. And a, you know what? I just can't wait to some random company like, you know, just comes along. It's like, hi, we're from the uh, exterminators. We're here to, uh, 
you put in a work request so we're just here to help out <laughs> you know just some random company you know I can't wait it's just gonna rock up <laughs> where's the car that needs washing anyway I'm employing people that's what I'm doing I'm keeping people employed and we thank you for it <laughs> so anyway my my rant is that okay it, it, it was actually quite complicated there was a, it was a ten step process, okay. So I had to go to this first this website, which was institution.edu.au/slash/students. Mm. I don't know why it was students, but it was students. Yep. Slash your dash campus slash facilities dash services slash work request, which was a problem because I'm staff, so I shouldn't be going through the student the student section. See, it's a lot easier to go to soundcloud.com forward slash we only do one take podcast and listen to our podcast. Just putting it out there. I know, right? I know. Anyway, the point is, it was it was something like a 10-step process for me to lodge this this work request. And the first thing is admitting you're an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> that the fact is, I got to step three and I gave up. Yeah, that's the standard step that everyone gives <laughs> yeah. up out of the Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Anything worth 12 steps isn't worth doing. Oh. <laughs> so you submit it to Jesus and you just thought, nah, the fourth, you saw the fourth step of like, you know, um, donate to God and you thought, nah, that, that's enough. Well, I, then I used common sense yep. and I thought I'm being paid. Yeah. I might as well take lunch, come back and send some emails. Terrific. Okay. That's so, so, so I want to know. I want to know what the rant is. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the rant? <laughs> oh, the point is, it it took ten steps. I couldn't be bothered doing ten steps. Why do they make things so complicated? Why can't you just put in a work request? Well, usually universities are part of the federal government, and the government really likes to extend the amount of steps it takes to do anything. So I think you have your answer. I mean, if there was a vacuum cleaner, I would have just got the vacuum cleaner, right? Well, well there's do you, no do way you, have you to, would have vacuumed. Yeah, <laughs> right. Do you have to lodge a request to use the vacuum, though? Oh, probably, that obviously, problem? yeah. Ten-step program. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't, you can't even bring in, you can't even bring in your, your own laptop with your power cord because reception will find out and then they'll want to tag and test it. Yeah, you've got to tag and test. Yeah, you've oh, got to tag and test. ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can call it a bureaucratic nightmare all you like. Kieran, but you know this is not a rant that's new to the world. I mean, especially after the works of Franz Kafka. I mean, you know what I mean. Like that is a big name that I know nothing <laughs> about. Please explain. Franz Basically. Kafka. He's a seminal author on the on the matter of bureaucracy and and the tangle of modern society. Really? Uh, one of his works, The Trial. I think you'd really dig. Uh, I did a. I I played the protagonist in a school play production of um of The Trial, and it's, we, we it's did Greece. <laughs> 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 Nah. <laughs> you sound. You must have gone to a much more upper class fancy school than what we did. Because uh, might have been on the other side of the track. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a uh, highly recommended reading. Uh, if if that's if that's the kind of thing that gets your goat, then I think Franz Kafka is the way to way to go for you to read. Okay. All right. Well, the thing is, I don't read. No. Is it's it probably is it on is it on and there's there's reason to this because I've I've finished a thesis mm-hmm. and I've done a shit ton of reading. Yep. I More. now find reading so boring mm. that I haven't been able to get into a novel or a or a book. And that's why he's never prepared for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he stopped at step three. Yeah, that's <laughs> there's right. just too much reading involved. He didn't mind picking up the phone that's not in his office. Hello. But- um 
can you get this done for me? And then someone else's problem, see? <laughs> no, people ring me and I get an email, which I never check because I've got stacks of emails. <laughs> you don't in there. send this guy an email. I've discussed <laughs> this before. Right. And eventually, when I go through them, it's like, you have a missed phone call. And I was like, but I don't have a phone. Anyway, that's pretty good. That might be a scam. That's a really effective scam, actually. You have a missed phone call. Click here to listen to the voicemail. Mm. I mean, I can't imagine who would fall for it. <laughs> But can I can never d- imagine who'd fall for any of those scams. Can you do that? Can you set up a scam but just link it to a podcast? <laughs> 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 we might get like 50 new listeners of old people going, oh, this is a very long phone call. It's like four, <laughs> 14 hours worth of content. <laughs> Why do these three men want to talk to me? <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. If you just, I mean, you can abuse your power as a staff member at this institution that you're at mm. and and just blast an email out to everyone and just... Click here to select your voice. Your listens will go up. Your followers may not. Mm-hmm. People <laughs> may not necessarily enjoy that. But if you're looking for a ratings bump, mm-hmm. just temporarily, it's it's the equivalent of jumping the shark. The people like <laughs> and the, actually the people in my office will listen to it, and I think they're some of our listeners. I hope so. Hopefully, one of them is a follower. Everyone else, they're just they're academics. They're boring. They, 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 well, they might they might understand some of our jokes. They might go, you know what we they. I'd want, if those academics are listening to us, which I really hope they are. Actually, some of them are cool. I've got to. They're admit, allowed some of them to borrow cool. any of our jokes that we've said to try and be more personable <laughs> around the office. I mean, that, if that's your target market, I'm more than happy to go through the script of the trial, the high school production of 2008, uh, for those academics. That, that might listening. be a bonus episode. Mm. <laughs> it won't take too long. Uh, how long does this thing go for? Oh, I don't know. Uh, we'll uh, figure we it out. Work it out. Okay, terrific. <laughs> Um, question. Mm-hmm. So, two thousand and eight, you were year twelve. No, year that 11. was year eleven. Year eleven. So that was a year eleven production. But now okay. that I think about it, we did do it in year twelve. That was a, that was a year of a lot of plays for me. Yeah, yeah. And, would, and what? You, I mean, I took theater studies, right? Mm-hmm. But I took theater studies as I was like, oh, I don't have to sit behind a desk. I did, I did music and I did do theater studies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not musically talented, and music was going to be too hard. <laughs> Obviously, theater studies. There's a lot of reading. It actually is. It's a bit scary. <laughs> uh, I got like I think I got like a study score of eighteen in theater studies. Yeah, that's yeah. You got to respect like, theater studies. Future I doctor. came at it because that's what I wanted to do. In year ten, I was in a school play and I just got hooked. I went, "This is what I want." And so year eleven, year twelve was all about my theater studies. Ms. Morgan, if you're if you're listening, at some point in the future, shout out to you um, for fostering a love of performance uh, in this. Be- in this because we need to do a plug. We do need. We to do, do need to do a plug. Mash is a rapper. Yeah, I, he was telling me just before we were having a quick chat before the uh, the podcast. That's right. T- t- tell us a bit about about your rap. Um, yeah. So basically, ever since I was quite young, I would listen to and and try and sing along to anything I listened to. Mm. And then one day encountered the likes of Linkin Park, actually, and <laughs> and Mike Shinoda. The Japanese American rapper in Lincoln Park was basically my first rap influence, and I kind of thought, "Here we go. This is great. This is this is fun to sing along to because I could never hit the notes that you know other singers could." And then they did their collaboration album with Jay Z, which I have that problem up, too, right? Yeah. Tone deafness. It's yeah. it's yeah. just there. More a music appreciator than you know musician, but you know, yeah, yeah well, you, you're, you're voyeuristic with it. I, I can appreciate. I, I'm that. just a guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Turch. It's not about you. It's about Mash. <laughs> and, um, and, and it's just something I've kept up with over the years. And, and it's been a fun little party trick. I can bust out Kanye's Gold Digger half in my sleep if I want to. Can you do it now? 
Now I'm saying she a gold digger. I I can. Uh, <laughs> you did it. Uh, you did it. It's like you know what I round find. Round of applause. Yeah, I know, right? Thank you. Thank no, you. I find like when people go that, like you know, it's like, oh, you rap? Can you do this? It's like same as like uh, that. People go, oh, you play guitar? Can you play this song? It's like, no, I don't know that song. Yeah, like, you know, there are I, a lot of songs. There are lots out there. of songs. <laughs> but I can I know do this thing. This many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Kieran does that all the time. <laughs> did you just put me down? <laughs> Is that what you just did? I played I played in that cliche for so long, and you're like, play one Jimmy Barnes song. We did, and then you weren't there for the concert. <laughs> you weren't there for the gig. <laughs> Poor communication on you. If I knew that Jimmy Barnes was playing, I wouldn't have been in an altered state of consciousness before the show. Anyway, so that's it's good to pre- preempt. Yeah. And you were saying just before the podcast started that you've got some stuff releasing very soon. That's right. So tomorrow or when you folks, uh, you find academics of the institution <laughs> at which uh, Kieran works uh, yesterday for you, uh, I've just released a new single. Um, so it's called Kingdom and it's my first single. And in fact, the story is, is that that's a song that I wrote and recorded about 20 months ago mm. and put it out into the ether in its demo shoddy form and just kind of let it be. And then over the years, well, over the year and a half or so since, I've traveled, I've taken in a lot more experience from the world, and I've kind of rewritten it and reapproached it with the idea that, you know, the kingdom of heaven exists within all of us. You know, it's not something that we can try to aspire to one day in our lives. It's actually something that we can unlock within ourselves. So upon coming to that realization, I decided, all right, this is something I want to pursue. Rap and music is how I'm going to express myself in the world. And I found my keys to my kingdom. And in that rap braggadocio way, I reckon I've put out a banger of a track. Awesome. And, um, and that's something that we can definitely check out. Absolutely. And is it on Facebook or SoundCloud or iTunes? or Where, where can we find this, this that's new right. track? So you can find it on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash MQ, spelled E-M-K-E-W, uh, just to be a little bit different and uh, do the whole phonetic spelling type situation of my initials. And... So that page is up and live, and the single will be out on Wednesday, the 17th of Jan. And uh, give it a listen, give it a spin, uh, send it around to your friends and family. And um, and within about a month or so, you'll be able to come to some live gigs, see me perform that, along with a slew of other tracks That's as well. awesome. And we'll put all the links for you down in our uh, little description there, and uh, share your stuff around on Facebook as well. That's right. Yeah, ab- and absolutely. Gig, and we should go to his first gig, for sure. Absolutely. When's the first gig? First gig. Uh, we haven't locked in a date yet. Uh, but basically, once I've got a critical mass of material ready to perform, that's that's when it's go time. Ah, uh, like minimal viable pro- uh, uh, product, business terms. I know this stuff. He, he just wants a set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's it. <laughs> Church knows. Yeah, that's right. You know. I, I want to come back to you traveling, but bef- we'll come back to that yep. in a bit. I've got a news article you that I want article. to share. Let's I've got a it. news article because this is what this podcast is about. Usually. <laughs> Sometimes talking about some funny news articles. Or testing dildos. One of the two. You should have been there when we tested the dildos. <laughs> hey, not even Kieran was there when we <laughs> tested the dildos. <laughs> I was called for an emergency. I am a volunteer firefighter. and Everyone check out episode <laughs> six. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kieran, what have you got for us on that side? Okay. All right. Um, this is a this is an old article actually, mm. but it, I, I was scrolling through and I found it and I thought this is bloody hilarious. Yep. Um, an arrested couple have been sprung having sex in the back of a police paddy wagon while <laughs> while being driven to the station. That's awesome. <laughs> that is. Now I want you guys. Which oh. state or territory did this occur in? Northern Territory. 
Nah, I reckon this was like Victoria. I, re- I reckon it was right here. You reckon the fine citizens of Victoria? <laughs> I've seen some of the fine citizens of Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it was hometown Melbourne right here. Hometown Melbourne. Okay, Mash is saying Northern Territory. Yep. Do you want to have a guess, Kieran? What, why Why Northern Territory? <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's an article, it's a story, it's a level of focus on, on the crude that only the Northern Territory can, can muster for me. I don't know, I think news.com.au can do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is the Northern Territory. Oh, Mash has got yes. it correct. Yes. But wait, wait, Kieran, you didn't have a guess. I knew where it was going. Are you, are you assuming that he only read the headline yes. and bothered with the rest of the article? <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Do, do you know what? No, no. This is how much preparation I've done for this this podcast. This is the first. <laughs> I saw, but it's an article he read a year uh, ago. I saw the article and I was like, right, I'm going to get this. And I couldn't access it from the NT News because I had to pay like seven bucks a oh. week for, this, for the access to the subscription. So you've literally only got the headline. No, no. I've actually got, <laughs> I've actually got the article. Fuck you, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> and my computer's frozen, so I can't <laughs> scroll down, but I can read the first part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I must say, on on business terms that you were talking about before, Kieran, that's supply and demand. The the demand for the NT News has gone up in droves over the last year or so, just because they have whopper headlines that it's people like the, are drawn to. It's like the Petit Advocate, I guess. Oh, true. It's like the Petit like there's catchy headlines that get the shares, that get the advertisement revenue, and all that sort of stuff. They're just exploding, and now they've got their own beer. Oh. Oh, what? Yeah, oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's fantastic. Wait, the Batuta Advocate has their own beer? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they do. No way. Dead set. Is that not just one of their articles, though? No, no, no. no like, actually... I've seen like the two guys that run the Batuta Advocate like holding cans of their own beer. Oh, wow. And got, uh, at, in one of the pubs down that way. Nice. They've got some in there. Up in up in Batuta. Up in Batuta. Are we, like I said, we should, we should talk, contact that uh, Watsonia Bugle around here. We will contact that oh. Watsonia Bugle. We will have them on the podcast. Damn right. <laughs> if, if they know they don't come on, then we're just going to bag the shit out yeah, of them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that might be. And we lost extor- all of our followers. <laughs> Next week on the podcast, has the fourth estate run rampant? <laughs> I'm eating shoes. So, so this couple was in the back of a cop car, and they were in the in the all act right. of lovemaking. An arrested couple have been sprung shagging in the back of a police paddy wagon for our American listeners, that's a police car, <laughs> while being driven to the cop station. That's the police station, once again, for the American listeners. I think they'll understand what a cop station is. Yeah, they do have cops there. They are American. That's true. And I they're fantastic followers. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think the intelligent ones are listening. Anyway. Uh, that's cut (laughs) (laughs) we can edit that out that's fine Hannah Walker was driving behind the police car was driving behind the police car anyway and said she was shocked to find the couple looking back when she pulled up behind and my computer's frozen so I can't see it's I don't know what to tell you (laughs) I don't know what to tell you anyway I read the article yeah yeah they 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 were arrested. They obviously knew each other. Yep. They got chucked in the back of the paddy wagon. Yep. Right. And they just went for it. They just went for it. And the well, what have they got to lose? The police lady was like, "Hang on, something's something's not right. The cars are rocking about. If it's rocking, don't come a knocking. If you know what I mean." 
um, went through, apparently, I think it was three traffic lights. Yeah. So, he th- stopped at three red lights. And he was done. I think so. <laughs> and and then, um, then went to, you know, go, you know, hey, you can't do that. Which I think, good on him. Good on him. Because that's probably the last time they're going to get to do anything like that until they get locked up for probably, I don't know, it's Northern Territory, 10 years. Oh, what were they in for? Just drunk and disorderly. Uh, Let's not get bogged down. I don't know why they're (laughs) in for. (laughs) They could have been just going to jail for the night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, they could have. But you know what, though? That's that's made my bucket list now. That's now on there. If I ever find myself in that situation, or if I'm just... At that point yeah. in my life, I might try and get arrested with a member of the opposite sex so that I can find myself in that situation. Why not? And, I'm and they obviously they actually put people of the same sex in the petty wagon. What do you well, mean? Well, oh, the they MT. don't discriminate. They I thought, they, they, only I have thought about. they did discriminate. It's, it's whatever they put. In, I mean, yeah. it's not like what do they? What do they care? As long as they're, they're locked up and they've got the handcuffs on and safe like that, they're just taking them to the the local cell at the station. What? Oh, you Fair enough. Be, I wonder if they were handcuffed. If they were handcuffed, that would be a very impressive feat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. How do you do this? Unless he's wearing, like, track pants or something. Like, he's got a zipper. Yeah. Potentially a belt. Are we talking We're talking the lower class of the Bogans now? Well, I said he could have had a belt. And probably probably wouldn't have had a belt on a pair of track pants. But, you know. Mm, probably that's, not. That's, that's a skill and a half. You know what, though? I don't, I don't deign to speak for all classes, but I would say that the idea of having sex with someone in the back of a divvy van would probably not be limited to class. I, w- I would say just mm. about anyone, mm. given mm. the opportunity, would probably want to go for that. It's like the Mile High Club, isn't it? If people give it a go, like it's like, oh, no. it's, oh a bit naughty, a bit risky, this yep. and that. You know, mm. we've got an hour and a half flight, we might, we've got 10 minutes, let's, let's go. Good on them. Good on them. That's what I say. Definitely good on them. And I, especially if I'm in airports as well. Actually, I'm I'm a pro non-belt guy. I, I like to not wear a belt. Yeah. Makes it easier in the back of a divvy van. Yeah. yeah. It does. It does. So I now was in the Northern Territory in 2009. Yeah. But it wasn't me. <laughs> so this is an article from 2009. Yeah, from article from 2009. <laughs> is that why you brought it in? You just wanted to tell the Northern Territory I story. Did, I did. I was doing this. I saw it and I was like, oh, I know this is a long time ago, but... Jeez, I want to bring it in. Ah, fantastic. Terrific. I, I like that. that. That was a really good news story. I think I felt like it was it a happy my news eyes. story. I, coming into it, I wouldn't have known that, um, that that was possible. That, you know, the, I would have thought they would separate them out or something. Australian, in, uh, you know, innovation, uh, you know, really pushing the boundaries of what you can really do in, in a, you know, <laughs> we, we always go that one step beyond of, of stupidity. And uh, and why not? Like you know, it's got the opportunity. Do it, Melbourne. Step up. Church wants Melbourne to step <laughs> yes. up. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Watsonia, Melbourne. I don't get. Step up. Step the up re- to the plate. The retirement village of Watsonia. Well, apparently, retirement villages have a really high rate of STDs. Do you know that? No way. Dead set because like they don't care anymore. So, mm. And most of them are all you know the women at least are all menopausal, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, we're going to die anyway. And lots of STDs. So between like the ages of like seventy, uh, sixty-five onwards, mm, mm. and eighteen, like I think like twenty-one or something and below, have really high STD rates because of that. There you go. There you Good go. on him. Ugh, why not? Good on him. Viagra was a fantastic invention. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. My drink's empty. Yeah. And my computer's about got three percent battery left. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> And it's got the rest of my shit on it. So I'm going to fill up my drink and grab my power cord. Uh, get some more scotch. I scotch. think we need it. Yep. All right. 
And we need more biscuits. Yeah, we do. And we edit this part out. Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> and by that, he means me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tonight's podcast, once again, who are not paying us money, but we're very gracious. For, oh, shit, I forgot the biscuits. <laughs> You're just going to have to eat it. I <laughs> got the plate. cheese. But I left the biscuit. I left the savoys, which were cracked pepper savoys as well. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. really classed it up. Do you, you want me to? Do you want me to get the crack? crack? Is is it too much? Yeah, that's fine. We got time. I'll get the cracked <laughs> pepper <laughs> savoys. Um, but the sponsor is the Wattle Valley handmade soft ripened triple cream brie, an authentic, authentic, authentic. <laughs> oh yes, an orthodontic <laughs> French style triple cream brie. Good to eat at any stage of maturation and suitable Ma- for what vegetarians. Maturation. 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 Maturity? No, no, no. Maturation. Okay. okay. I stand corrected. Uh, thank <laughs> you. It's not often that happens, no. but I will, I will take that as a, as a win. Let me get the Savoy packet. Get the Savoy. All right. And Arnott Savoy Cracked Pepper. Baked, not fried. Get your Arnott Savoy Cracked Pepper. With your cheese. It's going to be the worst fucking thing for me to edit. Thank you so much. <laughs> I just want to make a public announcement, public service announcement. This is to our subscribers and listeners. Not a good idea to mix technology. What have we got? Two laptops, a brand new sound doobacky. Interface. That's it. New microphones. Yep. Uh, oh, the microphones are fine because they're, they're up high. Cables. Cables. Headphones. Don't put drinks near them, <laughs> especially if you've been dr- Actually, I know we're going to hand it over to MASH. Yes. But I've got a very important announcement. Yep. Y- y- we-, we all know that you can drive a car if you're under 0.05. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Northern Territory is 0.08. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. What do you think you need to be to fly a drone? What level of alcohol... To fly a drone. Point or two, I I'd imagine. I'd say it's the Something same as a stupid. car. No, I reckon it'd be one of those ones where just they've gone overzealous with the um the legislation for it. <coughs> well, uh, it certainly applies to New Jersey, where the uh, Chris Christie, you know, well, you know, there's Trump. Yeah. Well, Chris Christie is, you know. Yeah. He's a he's a, a Republican yeah, yeah. character, but yep. it's being character. overshown by Trump at the moment. Yeah. He's not course. getting much of a look in. And I thought it'd be important that we give him a look at... Well, he's now signed legislation in New New Jersey that's saying drunk droning is now illegal. Good. (laughs) (laughs) I never realised it was an issue. (laughs) Too many wobbly drones in the air. (laughs) Church doesn't like it. I didn't know it was an issue either. But apparently, um, you have to be under 0.08. That's all right. To legally fly your drone. You know what? By the time I'm... 0.8 0.8 in the drinking sort of scale or you know how much alcohol I've got I don't want to fly a drone I want to keep <laughs> drinking and then possibly get a kebab <laughs> or 20 nuggets and that's what I want to do you know I breath tested myself once and I was 0.048 or 0.047 or whatever it was and I was like oh, technically I could drive I felt I was like, I know this is saying I can drive and I'm probably going to spike up because it's, you know, I've been drinking and, it, and it's going to get me, you know, if I drive, I'm going to be over 0.05. But I was like, I don't think I could drive a car at 0.04. Yeah, every, everyone's tolerances are different. 
Are you calling me weak? I'm just saying. Uh, pro- probably the same for me. I'm a smaller guy than you. Excellent. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's good. See? That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a video that did the rounds of a guy who blew 0.16, so more than yeah. three times the legal limit. <laughs> but he claims at least more than 12 hours after he stopped drinking. He'd been on a complete bender the night before. To hear him tell it, it was a quiet night in. Uh, the guy was from the Northern Territory. Of I course imagine. he was. But, uh, Melbourne, step it up. <laughs> Melbourne, step <laughs> it up. Too many ciders around here. <laughs> but it's basically, imagine how high it must have been while he was drinking that it's mm. come down the next day, 12, 18 hours later, to still be triple the limit, and he's driving. And seemingly driving just fine, because he'd driven his mates to and from work that morning. What a star. What a star. Yeah, fair enough. The quintessential Australian hero. There you go. All right, let's uh, let's hand it over to Mash. Mash, what do you have for us? So to put it into a, I guess a bit of a different tone. Uh, something that's been sort of catching my attention of late is, I guess, the idea of male celebrity, right? And that's and how how that gets viewed, how that gets perceived these days. Myself, I mm-hmm. I think I'm on the cusp of celebrity, mm-hmm. uh, being a being you're a, a pr- celebrity in our eyes. Oh, thanks, guys. Uh, being a uh, well, being the first celebrity to be on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> so number one for us. <laughs> uh, now, now my faux bravado that I was going to lead with um, is shot to shit because you guys <laughs> just made me feel really, really good about myself, <laughs> and I don't feel insecure and need to cover it up. What I was going to say though is, say for example, you've got Aziz Ansari. Yeah. Uh, if any, for anyone that's been following in the last twenty-four hours or so, it's emerged that he. Um, uh, sexually harassed or sexually assaulted yeah. someone on a first date. Yep. And the story... That's the comedian, right? That's yeah. the comedian. Yeah. Uh, the TV show Master of None, a phenomenal exploration of what it means to be a young person of color in the world of the entertainment industry, the arts industry, um, and with some really excellent exposure on all kinds of different issues. And, and he's essentially that sort of figurehead of someone who is sensitive to the needs of all people and probably one of the last people you would expect to be caught up in a scandal um, such as this. And the story more or less goes that he was quite pushy on a first date um, with a lady who has since come around and and told her story uh, to an online publication. Hmm. And, um, And now he's responded to that story and claimed that at the time, everything that he felt he did was consensual, but did not have any understanding of her perception of that encounter until the next morning when she texted him to let him know, at which point he immediately privately apologized and said that I wasn't aware of that. So being a male celebrity and and an occasion like that, the story and the way that it's told has been described by another article writer as revenge porn written out, you know, revenge Mm. erotica, basically, um, to basically humiliate this this, uh, author. Now, I wanted to tie that one in to Jake Paul. No, sorry, Logan Paul. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of, of he the two did Paul the, um, a video of, uh, in Japan. The Japanese. That's yeah. right. The Japanese suicide forest video, which will probably live on in infamy for all of YouTube's 72-hour attention span. I don't know about you. I have never seen this Logan... What's his name? Logan Paul. Logan Paul. Logan Paul. I've got I've a brother named Jake as well, I believe. Yeah. I, I've never seen him. I, I didn't know... No, I feel like I sound like I'm, I'm old. I've never seen him. I don't know anything about him. And I reckon for the past week, that's all. Like, I, and I haven't even actually read any of the articles. So it's quite, it's quite but the big, articles keep popping up. Well, he's quite a big YouTube star. I mean, he's got what 15, 16 million subscribers on YouTube, which is, which is you know, like it's a lot more than nine. I was, 
Yeah, I was gonna but, but, but we've got to be careful here, right? YouTube is a different entity to the yeah, podcast world. That's so true. nine that's could be so I'm, humongous. I'm, nine could be like, take that YouTube, like yeah. Logan, like we putting it out there. Ass. We do have a YouTube account, and we have three. So <laughs> <laughs> we've got three. Three. Oh, no. <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. By God, we're growing in popularity. <laughs> So yeah, if these numbers keep rising, we it could be like Bitcoin. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Low triple digits are yeah, on the horizon. Uh, we, we're trying. We're trying here. But, um, look, I think the uh, Aziz Ansari, I mean, I think the more people that sort of come out, I mean, there's been lots of things, people coming out at the moment with um, sexual harassment claims. I mean, there was one against James Franco as well. Yeah. And James Franco, I think, is one of the, is it just a fantastic actor? I mean, he started recently in the the disaster artist of the, the room. I don't know if anyone's seen the room. We know you weren't there when we watched the Phillip Island. You came the next day, but he did, like mm. you know he started recently in the disaster artist, got an award, and then that woman put up like a Twitter post saying, "Oh yeah, uh, you know me too," or something like that, or mm. you know, uh, remember the time you made me get naked and I didn't want to, but I'd. S-. But basically, she said even in her tweet saying, "Oh, I signed a contract." saying I would get naked. Yeah, there was uh, there were a couple of allegations, and one was to do with an actress who was uncomfortable being pressured to be naked in an orgy scene yeah. in a film he was directing. But in the, but she did sign a contract. I mean, look, there's, there's, there's lines there. So I'm going to say that even if there is a contract, the idea where harassment is overstepping is when a person then says, I'm uncomfortable doing this exact thing to do with my body. It's no longer an act to perform as a part of the measure. It's about... What is this? But my question is, surely one would have read the script beforehand well, and yeah, seen that exactly there's an orgy right. scene present and gone, I yes, I want to uh, do this project or no, I don't want to do this project because I'm, of the orgy and scene. I'm, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, I mean, there was obviously in a contract, I mean, I've done my fair share of contracts for consultants, a whole bunch of stuff. You sort of have to be very explicit. Do your consultants have orgies? <laughs> Look, I don't want to say what they do in their <laughs> private there's time. A there's a confidentiality clause in those contracts. But on what, what, what the point I'm going at is it's very explicit of like what we want and what they have to do. Because mm. if you don't, then the person who's paying for the... the How many people read contracts? I, I know I know. Everybody. <laughs> Everyone should. I mean, I even read my phone contract. It's one of those things. You read your phone contract? Yeah, of course. Wow. Doesn't anybody else... No, I, no, read I used everything. to sell phone contracts. I, <laughs> I no. Yeah, I, I see. I see. If you sold phone contracts, I would go. What am I signing up to? You'd, and I'd be like, give it to me in lay people terms. Yep. I don't want to know the complicated nitty gritties. Yep. And that's it. No, that's. I, and I think that's the important thing. I think you know, it's like that South Park episode where, like, you know, uh, Kyle doesn't read the I, iTunes thing and he's I, allowed I to think, be in. The, I think we've learnt something. If we become really big yep. and we have to sign contracts, you know I'm not going to read them. Yeah, I'm going to get my lawyers to write <laughs> to read them for us. No, we're going to have lawyers. Yeah, yeah. I don't trust. That's why you pay the lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> you pay the lawyers. But I think that a lot of this. So going back to this, um, sexual allegations. Is that I mean, it's it's just come out more and more and more and more and more people have sort of come out, and there's sort of two sides to this. So I'm going to be play devil's advocate here, and say that. A lot of these people are coming out now when they don't have anything to lose and that's why they're coming out now. So like Harvey Weinstein's a really great example. All these women are coming out now. There's momentum. You can't deny that there's momentum. I know, no, no. but obviously it started. They're like, yeah, we can all come out with solidarity, all this sort of stuff. And I good strength in numbers, all that sort of thing. But 
all these people that are coming out now are now very large celebrities that have won awards because of what Harvey Weinstein has done. I mean, you know, when Gwyneth Paltrow came out and said, he touched me inappropriately or uh, asked me to watch him masturbate and all this sort of stuff. But she also won an Academy Award for one of the films that he produced, Mm. you know. Why didn't, you know, if he, he did that all those years ago, technically, apart from the fact that she wouldn't have had a career in Hollywood, she didn't have anything to lose back then, and now she really doesn't have anything to lose. She's in the same position, but why didn't? Why wouldn't you know? If someone came up to me, like my partner, my mom, my my you know sister, whatever it is, and said, "Hey, I got this part in the role, but I also saw the producer's dick and he masturbated in a in a pot plant," I'd be like, "You know, what? you probably should tell the police." Yeah. Like that's just my natural instinct, but. I don't understand why they didn't do that in the first place. And that's what's got me up a little bit like 50-50 about all these allegations. Not only that, none of them are mm. substantiated. I mean, at, at this point in time, similar to what's happening to Aziz and to James Franco, they've said these things. They could potentially lose their jobs in the roles that they're in currently, but nothing is substantiated yet. That's been my... Uh, there's there's two, two elements to this. My biggest concern is innocent until proven guilty, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I'm really upset because, uh, and, and God forbid, Kevin Spacey's allegations. You know, I, I hope they're not true, and I, and and I think if they are true, good on them. Netflix for pulling them off. Yeah, exactly right. Cards, right. Yep. But innocent until proven guilty, I, 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 I think you should have stayed on House of Cards. Or or suspended. Let an investigation happen. Let exactly House of right. Cards, let's House of Cards. You know, it, it comes out in four years' time. It comes out in four years' time. Whatever, right? That that's that's an option. There's an interesting there's an interesting psych experiment, right? And um, there's basically what ha- well, it's not a psych experiment. This is actually what happened in real life. There was this McDonald's employee who got a phone call. She was in the back room. She got a phone call, and this person started um, saying he was from the police and started being an, an authority, right? And um, he started giving her some demands. So just just simple demands, like, can you look at this book or, or whatever, you know, I, I need to, I'm doing an investigation, I need to find out X, Y, Z. Anyway, is he... It, is, he this sh- a, is this the one, I think I've heard about this one, and he eventually tells her to do something and lock customers in. Was it locking customers? Well, not, not quite locking customers in, but the manager comes in, right? Yeah. To this, this employee, and the manager gets the phone. L- long story short, he gets... And this person's on the phone, by the way, mm. and he said he's a police officer. Now I know, you, I know, to you and me, we're going. Can you ver- like you're thinking verify that it's a police yep. officer, right? Yep. Or come into McDonald's. Yep. Got them both to take off their clothes, mm. and both got them to perform sexual acts to one another. But see, and, that's another. Yeah. And said that you, that you would lose your job. But there's this whole there's this whole spiel about if someone's an authority figure, mm. how much they can actually. Um, persuade or push you mm. and you will you will follow because they are de- you deem them mm. to be an authority figure i think and it's a very interesting phenomenon for me that's that's what the whole me too movement is about it's mm. not about retribution it's not about criminal sanctions it's actually about highlighting abuse of power especially in that industry but more in terms of society writ large so when you've got someone like harvey weinstein who is an incredibly powerful figure in that industry yeah his word determines the hiring and firing of an individual on a B movie somewhere down the lot. 
when that person then abuses that power in the way that this prankster would have called up McDonald's and gotten two people to mm. perform sex acts upon one another, in the same way, both of these people who've enacted the thing that they're doing, Harvey Weinstein and this prankster, they're power tripping. They're basically yeah. just saying, this is a thing I can do, so I might as well. It's the a Catholic church in a nutshell. <laughs> Back to religion. <laughs> I somehow bring it in every yeah. episode. <laughs> and, and again, the Catholic Church probably similarly guilty. I mean, I, I can't imagine that every one of these priests necessarily felt that they were attracted to young boys in particular. I can't speak for them, but I would imagine that in some cases, it's more about the notion that they can do this and think that they can get away with it mm. than the idea of whatever the actual sex act is. And, and that abuse of power, highlighting that and, and doing that in a retrospective way with momentum and highlighting each instance of it is an incredibly powerful and probably empowering experience for the people who feel that they have been victimized by, by these men and by people that have committed these acts. But I think when you've got individuals that are continuously doing good work, releasing good entertainment, then it needs to have that line somewhere. There needs to be a measure to say, okay, yes, Aziz Ansari, one example of a powerful, influential figure, mm. he did commit an act that was less than noble, yeah. to say the least, um, where it verges on sexual harassment, sexual assault. That is definitely a system for the criminal, uh, uh, an idea for the criminal justice system to deal with more than culture. Yeah. And so for one account of one person's less than noble behavior, that shouldn't be enough to bring down a career that is built primarily for the purpose of highlighting and empowering everyone that has normally not had a voice. Mm. And I think that where this conversation needs to start going, and ideally where I'd like to see it go, is how do we move on? How do we allow these individuals who may have uh, transgressed in the past to continue on in their work devoid of the sexual assault? So, for example, for Gwyneth Paltrow, mm. she probably would have won those Academy Awards regardless of if she had been forced to commit sex acts assuming she was allowed to get the job on the merits of her talents of which we know there are many yeah yeah i, I look i agree with that it's one of those things where i get i guess for me looking at it it's like do they the big thing for me is why didn't they come out and speak about this earlier in their careers because at the end of the day if they've got substantial evidence and again it's one of those dominoes things where you can come out, and lo I think a lot of other people at that time, when this sort of all happened, probably would have come out as well, because, you know, if Gwyneth Paltrow did it when she was early in her career, I mean, she had lots of already powerful... I mean, her parents were actors as well. She already had lots of powerful friends in that industry. I'm sure if she did it all those times back, all, all that, you know, when she started her acting, I think there would have been just that stronger movement back then as there is now. And similarly, like, I mean... You know, that casting couch sort of persona of what Hollywood is. Did you just is. say casting couch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That casting couch sort of persona in, you know, Hollywood has, has always been like, you know, that is something that it's always been talked about sort of, you know, as in as a joke, as a par like a parody or a, you know, a background sort of like, you know. But why didn't they take it seriously back when that those jokes started? And and that's what that's what's confu it's confusing me. One people losing jobs on substan on, you know, on just allegations. You know, if I was to lose my job on an allegation, I'd be like, well, no, that's not how it works. And two, okay, if you want, if you wanted to do this, you could have done it when it happened. I mean, you know, 
waiting 20 years when you know an activity happened I, I look I understand that you know stress causes this and you know you don't want to talk about this now but you know what if a guy just you know asks you to watch him masturbate into a bush or something like that just tell the cops tell people around him yeah. people are going to believe it I mean you know they're believing them now why wouldn't they believe them 10 20 years ago I think there is a, a a gap that we have as three men discussing this who've I don't know about you guys. I've, I've never felt victimized by a sexual assault or, or someone coming on to me too strongly. I felt like I've had people come on to me too strongly, but never in the way that I felt like I can't resist or I can't say no. Um, or, there's a reason then, why you're sitting opposite Church and there's a, <laughs> there's a barrier. Uh, just just want to point that out. Look, uh, Thank uh, you, some Kieran. Very, you're some welcome. Very, some very intense eye contact. Um, but I would, say, I would say that without knowing the experience of being someone who is eager to get a job, has heard that this is the kind of thing that goes on here, so compliance is probably what results in getting a job. Um, that that kind of mentality weighing on someone's mind could probably be really powerful. And the idea that you're told to keep it hush-hush, that and the you're special. And and perhaps the paycheck. Living perhaps paycheck the idea paycheck. that... Perhaps the idea that this is the only way that one can sustain a lifestyle that one grows accustomed to could play into it uh, as well. Okay, then. So wh- what is your day job just to... So my day job at present is to make music and drive Uber. Right. Um, and the so music if, is just so to make me money. So if Uber was like this, yep. would you do it? No. So if Uber... So, okay, yep. so what they're asking for is not a regular lifestyle. They're asking yep. for the lifestyle of high society. They're asking for a, a more, you know, a, a, a dream is what they're really asking for here. So what they're really trading for is for millions and millions of dollars of admiration and respect and this and that for what they can do on screen, but also, to a degree, the sexual acts of what they do. So yep. now we're now we're, t- we're not talking about, you know, oh, I really wanted this $100,000 job at an accounting firm. It's like, I want a $2 million contract for films and earn, earn $20 million the rest of my life every day, but I guess, over every year. You so, know? It's, so my, it's, it's subtly different. So my question is, is it incumbent on the person that can offer that job to someone that they can ask for anything they like, including a, a debasing sex act. Are you saying that that kind of goes hand in hand with the weight of the offer that's on on the plate? I'm not saying that they should be offering it. I'm just saying that if the offer was made and the sex act sex acts did occur, to a degree, it was their decision to do it. I hear that. I think. I think. Wh- I mean, where you know, I'm coming- they knew, like you know, they knew if they didn't do it, yeah. then they wouldn't get the job. At the end and of the so day, what are they doing? They're yeah. training something for something else. At the end of the day, the person committing that act, no one held a gun to their head. It was still mm. a yes or no question. I, I do take your point. I think where the Me Too movement wants to shift social attitudes towards the notion is that there shouldn't be yeah, that question right. in the oh, first I agree. place. Like and I, said, I, think, I, agree with I that. think that's where we want to get to, yeah, right? Yeah. Do, you know, do you know an, an interesting phenomenon? Right? Mm-hmm. And this is, a, this is a fascinating phenomenon. We're all capable of murder. Yeah, exactly right. 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 Yeah. And put in the right circumstances, we will commit it. Yeah. Louis C.K. does a bit. He says, can you imagine if murder was legal? Mm. Shopping centers would just be filled with little kids whose parents got sick of them. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Uh, so. he, also, he also masturbated in front he of people. So that's another thing, so, right? So he's not, the, he's not the best judge of, of morality <laughs> on this matter or any matter for, for that example. But, yeah, but, but I think but you're it's right. A, it's, it's an interesting... It's an look. My my question is my I I 
I, I mean, my education, I know why people will do things. And one of the one of the concepts or one of the phenomenons is the authority figure. But also one of the things is why don't people come come forward? Yeah. And uh, I I don't know the answer to that question, uh, nor have I given it enough thought to 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 understand that understand that question. So, it, it it's an interesting point of view, though. Nevertheless, I think between the three of us, we probably can't come up with a pretty resolute answer, but. <laughs> But I have enjoyed this discussion. It's I, been really good. It's something that's been bouncing around my head a lot. I've read a lot of articles on places like Jezebel and, and Junkie and, uh, and BuzzFeed, places that kind of inform my opinion from a very different perspective. But it is good to kind of talk some of these things out loud, mm. get a bit of an idea. It's interesting. And, and, and it's the We Only Do One Take podcast. Well, we try our best. We, I think we, we did a really good take just then of that. Yeah, yeah, we, do. we do one take, but then I edit the <laughs> shit out of it. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, you don't do much editing, and in fact, you probably put there's, more sound effects in. There's a lot more editing in it <laughs> than you really realise, Kieran. I just want to <laughs> let the the listeners know that it's a team effort. It is. <laughs> it is. Church, we haven't heard an article from you. We yet, haven't, and I'd like to hear an article. So I thought I I try to lighten the mood, and I talk about pornography. Can we? <laughs> <laughs> Can we at least get some sound effects put in right oh, here? Oh, you know it, baby. You, you know, know like it. Yeah. Can it just be that exact You know sound what? Effects? It's funny. I told not him. Trump watch. <laughs> not the Trump watch one, though. It can't be the Trump no, watch no, no, sound no. effects. It's funny. This guy goes to me every so often. Oh, put in a sound effect. He'd be like, pew, pew. And I'd be like, so what I do is I just save them as clips. And now I use them in, as, as sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> so I know exactly. Not only do I use the sound effects that he wants, but it's actually him doing it. So, now <laughs> so anyway, let's go to pornography. <laughs> yes, please. Um, so... The Last hu- week we talked about dildos, this week we talk about <laughs> pornography. I actually got another one. But we should have had him on when we talked about sex robots. I've got another one about sex I robots as well. I love that topic. That's good. But let's, let's do this one first. So Pornhub have released their po- most popular searches in 2017. Um, does anyone want to have a guess on um, of what the most popular searches were? What's it, is it worldwide? Yes, it's worldwide. Uh, quick, quick. I want to say I want to say MILF. MILF, yeah, that's good. MILF is up there. Uh, I'm going to say Daddy Issues based right. on the, the last year. All right. What we just so, talked about. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to I'm just yeah. going to go through. Um, so 2007. This is the first line of the article. Uh, 2017 was a big year for Rick and Morty themed porn, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> You were both wrong. <laughs> well, I guess it's kind of daddy issues. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, so daddy issues. So I I hope I hope summer features in most of it. No, how how old is she? Uh, let's not go. There. No, let's, let's <laughs> cut that one. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, so the top trending porn search of 2017 uh, were porn for women, which increased more than 1,400 uh, percent. Rick and Morty, fidget spinners, 1080p. ASMR, uh, ASMR, hentai, and cheerleader. And you know, on Christmas Day or leading up to oh, Christmas Day, it goes really Day, high, super high. Santa Claus, yes. is a very popular search. Yeah. Term. Um. So, a whopping three thousand seven hundred and thirty-two pentabytes of data was streamed. Apparently, enough to fill every last iPhone on Earth. What is a pentabyte? Um, I think it's the next one from terabyte, but or maybe the one after that. I don't know. But it's it's quite a bit. Fair enough. Yeah. So you said every iPhone on Earth. Every iPhone on Earth, according to this article. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, uh, everyone's using their phone these days. Yeah. 
So, okay, here's a good one. So it's streamed, not downloaded, streamed. Uh, actually, question. You worked at a telecommunications store. Yeah. Yep. People would bring in their phones. Usually, did you see, you know, did people not delete their history? Hashtag me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it was very non-consensual and I got very <laughs> confronted. Um, there, yeah, so some people wouldn't have deleted their histories. Sometimes you would be having to drag and drop someone's photos from one phone to another and there'd be you you get a glimpse of skin and and less noble staff members may get more than a glimpse but you you'll have unfortunately it's just the thing it's just a done thing people you do that on their phones my favorite though my favorite was an old like a very old gentleman who'd obviously just gotten a smartphone and been introduced to the fact that it has the internet now, I don't know whether this man knew about internet porn before getting this phone or whether he worked it out on his own on the phone, but it was full of it. And he showed me. I've heard actually lots of stories like that. I've got a, we've got a few friends at work uh, at, telecommunication, at the telecommunications yeah, in stores. And they're just like so much old people, old men, old women and porn. They, yep. just, they search for it. They find it. They, they, and it's just there. They, they, they show don't you. know how to delete it. Yeah, yeah, they just transfer yeah. it from one phone to another. <laughs> like, I want to save those bookmarks. I, I wonder how many of those petabytes are theirs. Oh. That should be a TV series, actually, where, you know, the person comes in and it's like, you know, to the person that works at the telecommunications store, you know, like, I'm getting a new phone, but I want all my, I want all my porn, all my, you know, my favourites transferred over. Mm. Just, uh, just want to hang on to those memories of Alexis, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, send all your Alexis Texas photos to MASH <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> so Australia turned out to be one of the randiest nations per capita. Um, anyone want to guess um, what rank we came? Per capita, obviously. So oh, it's never okay. good to Actually, come define first. per capita. So it means... Because our listeners in America might not know. Plus they, me. they do. They do. Plus it me. just means like... Per person. Yeah, per... Yeah, per it'll be per how many people in the country. So it's comparable between countries. Okay, all right. Yeah. So so everyone's got a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, where did Australia come in? Yep. We are a developed country. Yep. And it's on a per capita basis. Yep. Uh, what do we, do? Did we get the Northern Territory by themselves? Uh, <laughs> not in this <laughs> article. Because <laughs> the Northern Territory's only got two hundred thousand, but you know they are a they are a raunchy bunch. Yeah. The Northern Territory. So you reckon? What 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 uh, rank did we come in Look, the world? in the Olympics, we never come first. So, I'm going to say... Neither should we in the bedroom. Either. I'm <laughs> going to say Australia came second. Second. That's my vote. Is second? We actually came eighth. So, it's not too bad. We don't even get a, a podium finish. No, nah, no. Nah. Nah. So, we, we came behind the... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we came behind the USA, UK, India, Japan, Canada, France, and Germany. I don't think that was seven. Was that seven? One, two, three, four. Yeah, seven. Oh, okay. UK, uh, US, UK, India, Japan, Canada, France, Germany. Oh, okay, that's seven. Right. Yeah, that's seven yeah. uh, so the average uh, visit lasted nine minutes and 59 seconds. Sorry, was that nine or 90? Nine minutes. Nine minutes. And 90. the most porn was viewed between 10 p.m. and midnight on Sundays. Everyone was really getting ready for the week. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm going to see Jan from accounting tomorrow. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> or Gail from HR she um, just really reminds me of Rick and Morty 
Do you have the um the US Bible bashing um figures the the Bible Belt figures? No, I I just have just basic figures here. Like this is what. Is oh, this, I saw this about two years ago. Um, in America, Bible Belt. Um, okay, trans trans transferring over to gay porn, right? Yeah. What do you think the Bible Belt in America has? I reckon like it was what like what percentage? I reckon it was super high. I, I reckon, but like, out of all the porn that's watched, oh, how much? How much do you reckon is like? I, oh wow! Okay. Is, is gay reckon, porn viewed? And then what do you think? Like, let's just say see, America see, on average. This, and then this, let's look at the the Bible. Belt. I reckon this is one of those trick questions because gay porn does that include? Do you mean like lesbian porn as well, included in that gay porn thing, or you mean like gay men and then there's lesbians? I I don't know because I, I don't that, have that, the, that, I, that would actually skew the thing. I don't have the article because I know I know on places like Pornhub. Maybe not from personal experience. From personal experience, <laughs> that gay and lesbian are porn are separated thing, out, yeah. and I I would say probably here gay porn. Well, this was this was a male. male this was porn. a Pornhub article, so let's let's go with with men then. <laughs> I reckon you know I reckon that of all some of this, uh, compared to some academic research, I reckon Pornhub and all those porn websites have more accurate data than anywhere else, because they're interested in getting people masturbating. Mm. And they know exactly how to target their audience and skew and get the data, get the videos, the data, the hashtags, the the you know to make it very easy for people to search to things to wank. Oh, it's to. a business. It's, a it's business. amazing. Yeah. I th- I think that they're very knowledgeable. I think they've got better people on it than most people would think. Oh, I, I, th- there is definitely people behind yeah. that 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 and its algorithms and it's absolutely. All right, so I want to say like forty percent was the percentage of gay porn. Yeah, I was going to go for porn America. Consumed. In no 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 in the Bible, the Bible belt. belt and in most of America 10, 10 to fifteen yeah I, I reckon those numbers are pretty I reckon fifteen and about then thirty five so thirty five yeah. for the Bible about fifteen for everywhere else okay okay so it was it was really actually it's much less than that in the Bible belt it was about six percent six yeah. to ten percent yeah mm-hmm. right I, I, it depended on which state but it yeah. was it was averaging yeah, give or take. it was six six to ten percent um whereas the rest of America was down at about four percent wow. Okay, yep. So, yeah, I mean, not a huge spot. difference. You go four and then like six to ten. I mean, either way, it's pretty similar. There's a subtle it's difference. similar, but but the fact that it spikes in a place that's deeply conservative. Yes, I, yes. One thing I think could skew it though is those super conservative heterosexual individuals probably aren't consuming as much porn, and the individuals that do consume porn are probably closeted homosexual yeah. individuals that just can't. They I have can't no imagine. other reprieve. So they go for it. I online. can't imagine how many Mormons would be like straight <laughs> yeah. Mormons would be watching porn. But I reckon the ones you got that three are wives, gay, you yeah, can like, make your own fucking porn. Yeah, like, like uh, but if you're gay and you got you know you can still take three wives, but they have to be female. <laughs> you're probably going, yeah, I sort of want to see some cock. You know, it's um, not like us. We could just walk into a sex shop and buy three dildos. We did walk into a sex shop and buy three dildos. I think that's excellent. <laughs> I think I think everyone should be allowed to do that, yeah. free of stigma. <laughs> And it went on my bloody card. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I swipe. You had to tap each one individually. As oh, well. I so wish you, it was. That would be the best. Where your bank calls you up and says, a very non-characteristic purchase has just been made. Was that you? No, it's funny because that didn't happen. Otherwise, I would have got a call saying, hey, <laughs> guess what just happened? <laughs> Though you can watch the YouTube clip. There is a YouTube is clip a YouTube of us clip. testing the dildos. 
with a whole bunch of people blindfolded. I had actually <laughs> passed out before that happened. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I had to run it with my partner. Now, see, so far you're still not appealing to me with this because all I know is that you've tested dildos yep. and there's a video on YouTube. Yeah. That's it. That's all I. That's all you need. That's to all know. you're gonna give me. All Look, right. no one put it. In, everyone was clothed. No, only one guy put it in their mouth. Oh, okay. So it's okay. Oh, who put it in their mouth? Did you what? Watch the goddamn video. I Damien scrolled did, of through course. it. I scrolled through yeah. it. I, I saw snippets. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're one of the thumbnail guys on Pornhub. You just yeah. You, you yeah. Br- you browse through that way. I want to find the specific part that I want, and then mm. then that's it. You know. I feel like I revealed too much information. (laughs) (laughs) We've been very subtle about our uh, porn (laughs) habits here. Uh, Do you want a religious article? Oh, shit, yeah. I I always knew you'd like this. I would would actually go... My computer is being very slow at the moment. I did an update. Oh, Oh, hi, Sierra. Apparently, it's killing everyone's Macs. Yeah, and it is just... It is... Terrible. Yeah. My cousin just had to roll back his computer entirely. He had to go back to a... What is it? They call it time machine mm. to something like April of last year. Oh, terrible! Just because it, it's it's cocked it. It's it's the I imagine it's the same thing as what happens with iPhones pre up uh, pre new iPhone. Ugh. The update they launched to tank it, which they've it's now I've, uh, confirmed. Yeah, didn't they say that they, they update the software just enough to get the old devices to not work very well, so it forces people to upgrade? Yeah, exactly. And it's a so, stark admission. Oh. That, Apple have finally come out and said, oh, yeah, that's probably yeah. a thing we do. Well, anyway, speaking of turning back the clock, a Turkish academic claimed Prophet Noah, so Noah uh, used a cell phone to call his son before the flood. <laughs> <laughs> so a Turkish academic has claimed that the Prophet Noah called his son via mobile phone shortly before the Genesis flood, a narrative recount in both the Islam, uh, Islam's Quran and Christianity's Old Testament holy books. Yavuz Onek, a lecturer at the Marine Sciences Faculty of Istanbul University, has made a the... A very prestigious university, <laughs> it sounds like. ...has made the now viral claim appearing on the Turkish state-owned TRT television channel last Saturday. There were huge 300 to 400 meter waves, and his, the Prophet Noah's son, was many kilometers away, he stated. The Quran says Noah spoke with his son, but how did they manage to communicate? Was it a miracle? It could be. But we believe he communicated to his son via cell phone, or neck. Was quoted in English. By cell phone, are they referring to, like, you know, those two cups with a string in the middle? (laughs) No, he's talking about, you know, uh, my Samsung S5 over here. (laughs) Hello, son? Definitely a flood coming. I would definitely get indoors. Um, yes, and the best thing about this at the end, he says, I am a scientist and I speak for science. <laughs> it's good that he clarified he that at the clarify. end. You know what, though? I I have a not a hard time believing that because sending out a mass text before uh, a big catastrophic event seems to be all the rage. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard about this thing in Hawaii. I'm safe, just to let you know, everybody. <laughs> the best thing about the Hawaii thing, I, I, you probably know this because you're talking about it. I love it. There's, it's two things. The person who who stuffed up, mind you, I've stuffed up at work before, but I've never stuffed up that big. Right. So, yep. right. You can always recall an email. You can't recall <laughs> <laughs> to, to 300 million Apparently on the click button, it said, test... Uh, 
what was it? Test missile procedures. Yeah. Test, and then the button underneath that was actual, there's a missile happening, right? Yeah. yeah. And if I can accidentally spill my drink tonight <laughs> which, which on did the happen. equipment, which, yep. Yeah, I'm gonna be if I was in that role, I would stuff up and I would push the the the, the test for the real thing. Yeah. Best thing though, I was looking through the tweets, mm. and there was a tweet that said, um, or no, it was a message or whatever it was, and it said, uh, "We're being evacuated. Um, we're being evacuated. Uh, missile coming towards Hawaii." And the response comes back with, "What are you doing?" And then it was. Send nudes. The bu- New phone, who this? The buffet <laughs> The buffet has cleared so quickly, I'm sticking around and eating. And I thought, <laughs> that is what I would do. If oh, the bar's not yeah. open, I am stuffing myself. Yeah. I'm amazed there was no looting. Yeah. Like, usually, like, all that sort of stuff happens. Like, you know, big warning, this and that. TVs are out the door. Yeah. Usually. I guess it's a peaceful people in Hawaii. They're kind of... They... Surfboard shops are gone, though. <laughs> the one I'm the most intrigued about is surely years from now there will be people emerging from bunkers, shocked to learn that it didn't happen. <laughs> Actually, there's probably some people in bunkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's there's probably someone or another who's gone underground at least for a day or two, and they're listening. Or maybe they've got CB radio, but if they don't even have that. And they finally go, all right, family, it's been long enough. We can only watch Rick and Morty so many times. Let's get out of here and see what's going on. Hey, why is the internet still working? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's an issue because you're going to need DVDs if you're in a bunker. Yep. Wi-Fi will be out. Yeah. Yeah. Don't throw out your DVDs. In fact, donate your DVDs to We Only Do One Take Podcast. Do you want to give out the address? (laughs) (laughs) Do we have a P.O. box, do we? I'm not giving out my address. (laughs) We should make a P.O. box so people can send us... Any gifts, and we'll open them up live. <laughs> to go into the bunker. Oh Yes! Oh, we really do one take podcast bunker. Jesus Christ, that would be just a full of dildos. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. Anyway. So, yes, yeah, so would you, would you, was there anything else on the missile thing? I sort of overtook you on that. Would, would you build a bunker? That's my thing. Would you, uh, like, if I had the space... I probably would, but it'd probably just be a recording studio with lots of fridges of beer. It'd be a basement, and I'd just get drunk in it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. what it would be. Yeah, and then when we when if if we needed to use it, it would be great because I'd be like, well, there's lots of alcohol down here. Yeah, and when the alcohol comes out, we're either going up there and going to die, or or <laughs> we or die of dehydration because we've just been drinking alcohol yeah. for the last three days. <laughs> that's it. Actually, oh, see, I couldn't do that because I don't need we a had our own, If we had our own bunker, we yeah. could do a non-stop podcast. Yeah. On the emergency situation. Yeah. That we would know nothing about because we would be in a bunker. Yeah. So what's the point? So it's just all speculation <laughs> all the time. What you're saying I is can make this a... podcast could quickly become CNN in the event of an apocalypse. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to tell everybody fake news 90, 100% of the time. I'll just be making up headlines. This would be fantastic. All right, make up a headline right now. Uh, man kills dog because it eats his fries. That probably really happened. Probably, probably. <laughs> I want to say France, man. <laughs> France, France has just elected the ghost of Michael Jackson as their prime minister. Ooh. That's pretty good. See, I would, hire, I would elect him. 
I think in the post-apocalypse, I think something like that could be well, very at, easily possible. They, well, democracy would be on its head. We've got the holograms going. That's something. We've got the hologram so. of Michael Jackson. Tupac, they've got the hologram of him. You seen that? That's right. They yeah. do. And they've got the one, they've got one of Dio coming around for Ronnie James Dio and then tour with him. Hmm. So hmm. this is reality, people. Hmm. We're through the looking glass. <laughs> 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 all, right, all right. Before before we finish up, yep. all right, I wanted to get back to something. Because uh, I know Mash travelled around the world, did yep. some world world travel, right? But probably some places that I that I would never go to, mm. As, as, mm. as well. So, so I'm interested to hear about your your travel because, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, you quit your job. Yep. You're like, I'm out of here. Correct. Yep. And you got on a plane. Maybe. Well, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe you sat at home for a bit. I did stay at home for a bit, but then okay. eventually I did get on a plane. Fair enough, but you quit your job and you're like, I'm out of here. And you were gone for for how long? Two months. Two months. T- t- tell me what happened in that two months. Because that two months seems to inspire your rap. Very much so. Uh, it was it was an incredible time. The, the day I handed in my letter of resignation, I applied to a um, to a 10-day long Vipassana meditation course. And, and that was basically going to kickstart uh, a really deep level of introspection that I had not encountered before. Um, I'd spent a lot of my teen years being someone who I think like all of us just second guesses everything he does, has an inner monologue going on that you know is, is in no way helpful and probably full of a lot of self-doubt. Um, and instead, this trip ended up being a fantastic time because for 10 days straight, I was in a meditative regime it was it was like boot camp for the soul and and it was an incredible time i'd recommend it to absolutely anyone if you find yourself with 10 days um to spare because i I would be really worried i'd be like what am i going to do it's now an hour into the meditation yep i've got nine and nine and three quarters of a day left plus a few more hours and when am I going to eat next? That's what I would be worried about. When am I going to eat next? Yep. So the beauty of it you is... You would food, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and, and those thoughts come to you. I mean, I, I, I can go into a lot of depth about um, the, the way that it's structured, but it is, it is more or less structured the same as it has been for centuries now. Um, their, their claim is that um, the Buddha himself, um, Siddhartha Goma, Goma Siddhartha, um, he, he devised or, or rediscovered this method some 2,500 years ago. And then has been teaching it, um, taught it for the rest of his life. And then his uh, students ardently continued on that process and that teaching because they believe that it's what leads to nirvana, the eternal salvation that lies at the heart of Buddhism. Now, I didn't go in there and and emerge a beam and a ball of amazing energy and light, but I definitely did feel lighter in terms of my soul um, and in terms of my thinking and, and focus. Now, Compounding that, oh, yeah. because it, very interesting. Like, very interesting. N- not that I've done it, and I, and I understand subjective experiences. My mm-hmm. research is on subjective well-being, right? Yeah. So I understand subjectiveness, which is really interesting because I look at it from a research point of view, which is not <laughs> not necessarily subjective. It's data-driven. Yep. But Buddhists, right? Or, or those those mm-hmm. those that claim to be Buddhists, Buddhists, Buddhists have lower levels of subjective well-being than the typical Australian or American, or, or and I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. And being in Burma and watching watching the Buddhists, right? Mind you, they only had like two meals a day, which I'm out. No way, would that, <laughs> yeah. no way would that be me, right? Yeah, you need three cheese meals a day on top of <laughs> a regular day. <laughs> Sorry, did you say meals or wheels? <laughs> 
bit of both. <laughs> Wheels of cheese. Yeah, no, and, and I was watching. I was watching this Buddhist rite, and I yeah. and I, I could I, I could at one level, not that I've done it. I, one level, I could understand them, but at another level, I was like, I don't, I, I don't think I could do this. Now I'm coming from a person who hasn't done this meditation or, or hasn't a- a- attempted. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just being one of those selfish, critical, you know, people that you know, you know, uh, you know, when this podcast ends, probably going to drink a few more and then then going to go to bed and wake up and do my whole routine. And, and it's a healthy morning, level right? of skepticism, I think, that mm. one needs to approach life with. Mm. So, yeah. Um. So I find so 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 it's in, like it's interesting. So, you, but you were saying everyone should do this. Uh, absolutely. I th- I think. In terms of subject, subjective well-being, I think one of the key ideas at the heart of meditation, at the heart of Vipassana and Buddhism, is to say that why, the, the level of expectation and craving and desire that we sort of seem to carry around with us every day is actually as harmful as negative subjective hurt that we might feel, a physical pain that we might feel. The idea that I like cheese when it's there in front of me and I want to keep eating it is actually as harmful because later on when I don't have access to said cheese, I'll feel crummy about it and I'll actually go into a state of feeling bad because of a thing that I used to feel good about. And so you use crackers because it would have been funny because you could say crummy, but that's not (laughs) 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 Jokes in hindsight, people. (laughs) So he's talking about cheese and I'm staring at it. (laughs) I know, this guy. I'm going... Have oh. at it, mate. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Kieran's porn surgeon was just a girl eating cheese. <laughs> Rick and Morty Rick plus and cheese. Yeah. Oh, cheese. So, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll update you next week. <laughs> uh, it's going to be up Nine there in 2018. seconds. <laughs> just under the 10 minute mark. Um, what? So, so I would say to the idea of that survey, that, that subjective well being thing, I would actually just say it's purely because. The, the ardent, the, the continuous meditator probably has a lower threshold for what they deem to be contentedness and happiness and well-being. Um, in terms of what you're describing, though, people who act out violence um, and, and claim to be of a certain faith or a certain custom, I think we've seen enough of that kind of generalization in the world to know that that, that unfortunately is born out of totally different circumstances. And, and we've got Buddhists and we've got Muslims and we've got Christians and Jews and Jedi all around the world who self-proclaim and they act in different ways and and the human condition is about variety even within a certain custom even within a certain sect take Mormonism for example take people that were a part of the Jonestown experiment no matter how small a scale you want to take a cult religion creed faith on or how large you want to make it you'll still get a variety of human experience in that um what what meditation taught me especially, and, and again, coming back to that subjective experience, and what I think everyone can um, benefit from learning is that in every moment, uh, any number of thoughts can fly through your head. Any number of feelings, desires, cravings, aversions can, can flow through your body. And when you take the time to meditate and sharpen your focus through 10 days of meditation boot camp, and, I, and I'll keep using that term boot camp to describe it because that's how it works. You wake up at 4.30 in the morning, you oh, meditate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And I shit you not, until 9.30 p.m. at uh, night... I mean, anything before 11, it count me out. Like, yeah. Unless it's so, lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so it is very much a very strict regime. You Of the 17 hours or so that you're awake, 13 of them are spent in like scheduled meditation. So 
it's very much a boot camp experience. But what gets gained from that? The same way that a a fitness boot camp will engender strength in certain muscles and muscle groups and and discipline and and routine. The same thing happens, but you're exercising the the soul, the spirit, the mind, and you're gaining mastery over the mind. So that now, when one single instead of a thousand thoughts, when one single thought pops up, you're aware of that thought. And you can actually act upon that or even choose not to act upon it. And once you have that closer examination of self, of desire, of craving, of aversion, that's when you can continue to be a better person, whatever your schema of better person is in the world that we live in. So people that go out of their way to bring about hurt and harm upon other people because they're somehow different, that that doesn't strike me to be at the core of the message of any any teaching. I, I can't imagine that philosophy living on for longer than two or three generations. The idea that they're different, therefore we must kill them. I guarantee you, you're going to get killed if that's how you live. But question, do you, do you think you need to have, I mean, would you have that perspective if you didn't do the meditation? I had some semblance of that perspective. I think going into it, I was happy to espouse the view that everyone should be loved and, and all humans are equal and and the things that we hold to be universally true you know the universal mm. declaration of human rights um is is built upon codifying and writing down in plain six languages of the world here's what we believe as a collective human race at the international level we haven't had a document like that ever in human existence mm. and now we have this document that says this is what we believe those are the kinds of views that i definitely held dear but it's about enacting them in my day-to-day life. And then what will happen is I'll be on... Because it's an in- interesting perspective from a, from a psych point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just going to say from a, from a everyday... I'm not talking about people on extreme ends of whatever the spectrum mm-hmm. you're talking about. But we, we do discriminate. Like we do make active discriminations. And we do view the world, especially if, if you're not depressed... You are going to live in a loosed, a loosed world. You're not going to view mm. the world clearly. Yeah. Um, that's just a matter. That's just the way that it is. Yeah. And are you saying that that uh, do you feel that by doing this meditation that you you break through those barriers, like those those lenses or those those perspectives or? Absolutely, I couldn't have said it better. Um, you you become aware of that illusion on more than an intellectual level. So let's say as a listener of this podcast, you've never experienced that. The truth that idea before and hearing kieran describe it as an illusion that's your first inkling that oh perhaps you know there's there's something more to the fact that i don't like a certain group of people or i i don't like a certain type of music <clears throat> listen to my rap music <laughs> you may have a a, a deep set actually that brings me to an important point why didn't you make it country and western everyone loves country and western Debatable <laughs> and uh, debatable because Kieran, I don't uh, let the musicians talk about music. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would say it's 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 about meditation brings that to a much more experiential level. You feel that in your body, in every iota of your being, as you sit and you meditate, and you feel the fact that the only truth is that I am here right now in this present moment. And when I started that sentence, the person I was then is no longer relevant. And that's, that's at the core of, of Anicca, of impermanence, the idea that everything at all times is changing. And to accept that truth allows you to, dis- to totally dis- disavow, um, to divorce yourself from other 
ideas that you seem to hold to be true. And I can't do that on a permanent day-to-day basis, moment-to-moment basis, because my meditation isn't strong enough. And I can hold on to that truth enough to say that, all right, sometimes I'll get angry, or sometimes the person who sits next to me on the train who smells a little bit funny makes me kind of hate them a little bit. But I have to realize that that's a truth that's only real to me. The fact that they smell isn't an issue. It's the fact that I have an aversion to them smelling. And then I can choose to act on that. I can curse that person out and I can say, why don't you go get a shower? Or I can cause negativity and hurt to come about to that person and then come about in the world. Or I can choose to act out of love and be like, hey, what's going on? And like try to spark up a conversation and see what happens. Or I can choose to do nothing and just kind of sit with those feelings and thoughts. And then, oh, look, there's my stop and let's move on with life. So meditation allowed me to center my thinking, to realize where my impulses and where my immediate thoughts might first come from, recognize them for what they are, and then choose to act. The idea is about choosing to act in a way that you feel is, is proper for the world um, that you want to help create. So that's what meditation allowed me to do, and that's I'm really glad you asked and me about my troubles. And psychologists try to do that in six sessions. Try. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested in the other, I guess, the other side of... Um, the outcome, I guess, what of this whole meditation process and the traveling and this and that, and how that had affected what you were doing differently with your music before this experience, and how this changed the way that you were thinking about music, your lyricism, your writing, you know, um, what was the transition and what was the change and what was the fo- reef, you know, realignment of the focus before and after, and why you decided this is exactly what I want to do, and how did that experience amplify that or make that into something more personal or, or better in your eyes or and yeah yeah I'm, I'm really glad you asked it's something that i've thought a lot about because it's something that more or less happened going into the experience i was very much afraid um, of what might happen i saw it as being some kind of a surgery you know borderline i was going to come out lobotomized i might I literally, my biggest fear was that I might become boring as a result of this. And maybe I have, I don't know. I, I really like who I am now. Um, what happened was I spoke to a friend who'd um, b- spent time actually incarcerated and, and he sort of allayed my fears a little bit. He kind of said, look, this is going to be one of the greatest things you're ever going to do because there's nothing like time alone to help you discover what you actually care about, what you actually feel about things. And he, t- he said to me that in the time that he was um, locked up, by his fourth day, he knew exactly what he valued in life and what he wanted to do the moment he got out. All he could do was look forward to getting out. Going into the experience, I was ready to experiment with anything. I was like, life can be any single thing it can be. And, and that was, I guess, the positivity or so, um, air quotes, positivity that I viewed the world through. And I said, I can I can be anything I want. I can do anything I want. And then went about doing every single thing without any sense of purpose or direction. And by about day three of the meditation retreat, so 10 days, by about day three, I had just sort of cleared out just a bunch of that bullshit. You know, I I, I had mental images of, um, say, a katana that I bought at one point because I was like, I'm totally going to get into ancient Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. And I just, I had an idea of that sitting in my room collecting dust and I went that's such bullshit that I told myself at one point to distract myself from the idea that I don't know what I'm doing and by day five I was like okay now I know what I really care about I care about you know loving the people around me I care about 
you know, getting somewhere in life and getting somewhere where I can be a family man and contribute to a general amount of lovingness in the world. Um, I care about my personal health. I care about my fitness. Um, and, and I care about my faith, actually. That came back to me pretty heavily. I was born a Muslim, and I, I, I feel like I strayed away for some time. And through this uh, meditation practice, I actually came to rediscover that what I believed in uh, to do with the universe the words and the the actions and the rituals had already been given to me and been taught to me at an earlier stage. And I could just re-espouse the two together and, and come back to it. So in terms of what I wanted to do in life, that's what became abundantly clear by about day seven or day eight, when just sitting there, an idea for a song just came like a freight train into my head. Just the first, it was a sample from a song. Then there was a beat to go with it. And it wasn't even something super easy, like toe-tappingly, radio-friendly kind of thing. It was in three, four time. It was, you know, it was all over the place. The sample required to be pitched up. And I know all of these things about the complexity of it now, months later, that I've sat down onto Ableton to try and make this song and go, oh my God, I've still got that idea still fresh in my head as if I'm coming up with it now. And here I am trying to execute and my body can't keep up. And over literally hours slaving away at the computer, I finally managed to get some approximation of that song. But the fact that it came so clearly and, and the theme was there, the lyrics were there. I have lyrics written down, etched into my brain that I haven't bothered writing down anyway because I still know them. And when the time is right to make that the music, that's what will happen. Um, so that that's where that sense of focus came. And, and experiencing that, and it is about experiencing, experiencing that personally made me go, this is what I want to do. And this is, now that I've got this focus, now that I've got energy, now that I like waking up at four in the morning, this is what I want to do once I'm awake. And that is where that sense of focus and motivation came from. If I had been entertaining an idea of pursuing a different hobby, perhaps that's my, what, what might have come into my head. But the fact I kind of was telling you before that the reason I got into music now was because as a kid, that's all I cared about. I, I wanted to chuck on my headphones. When I, I got my first Sony Walkman at age eight or nine, first thing I did was, Dad, how do I burn CDs? How do I make new CDs for this? I like this Michael Jackson song and I like this John Mayer song and I like this, this, and I like this and Eric Clapton. And I wanted to just put them all on the same CD and listen to them everywhere I went. All I cared about was music. And now finally, nearly 20 years later, it's coming full circle and, and it's a fire that exists in my heart and all I can do is produce music. All I can do is make new stuff. Um, and that's thanks to the idea of meditation and, and thanks to rediscovering who I am and knowing that on an experiential level. And, and what's exciting about music, talking about the person who knows nothing about music <laughs> in this in this room. So I was going to have a bit of a chat about music <laughs> now, but that's all right. <laughs> no, no, no. But but it's, it's it, you, I mean, when, when I listen to music, I'm in another world. Yeah. Like when, when you really listen to, to music and you really go like, I mean, there's artists that I go, ah, don't care about that, you know, whatever. But th then you listen to songs and you're just like, oh, I, I, I dig it and I'm in yeah. another, w I, w I want to say another world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I want to say, you know, I actually feel like I'm experiencing, like yeah. I'm more tapped into to myself. So and I think, I think that's really exciting for you yeah. because nice. you're creating music and hopefully, I, I mean, I think it shouldn't be about the, it is it, essentially, there's a part of it that's about the listener. Yep. But it's more about you mm -hmm. and expressing yourself. And if you do that to the best of your ability, then I think the listeners will come. So it's really interesting you were talking about motivation and um, experiencing in this now. Because I come from very 
I guess, a different world of music. Um, because I started off as a classical musician. So coming from that world, yeah, yeah. So I used to, as a classical guitarist, I used to play all the Bach and the you know the etudes and the, you know, um, you know, and all all that really fun stuff for you know. But I was like you know ten at the time because I started at a very young age, and then it was only until I started to move into modern guitar work where I was playing Santana or you know Led Zeppelin. Classical glass gas. I can. I used to. Uh, <laughs> I, you, you push me now. I can probably whip it out. But I think when it comes to writing music, now I'm more of a. I guess I'm more of a progressive rock artist. And but you know. Oh, by the way, I want to say that theme music at the start. Oh, of the thank podcast. you. Oh, that was wicked. That, that was so thank good. You. Yeah. <laughs> that was literally today. Me running around at work, writing it down, and going home and going. I think I can do this. Like before the podcast starts. So thank you very much. It'll be up on soundcloud at some point when i finish off the guitar solo on that there's probably going to be another riff in there but um when it comes to writing music for me yeah like like you said before it's about it'll probably just come to you and i guess maybe it's different with rap and or like as a vocalist than it is for a guitarist or a, a person playing an instrument where a lot of it just comes from me like you know i'll be i'll just be playing some other song or I'll be playing some like you know just trying to write, write write riffs or do something like that, and then it just sort of all falls into place, mm. and it's almost you get to a stage when you're playing like you know you're playing a guitar solo for me or you know if you're practicing and something just that magic happens you go from one stage of playing, and it might be like ten, one minute in it might be three hours into your playing whatever it is and suddenly out of nowhere there's just like this one thing that you do or one piece of magic that you do and suddenly that's all you can think about for like months yeah and um i think frank zapp is probably my my favorite artist when he talks about this sort of stuff and he talks about guitar solos and he goes the what you're trying to do is you're trying to play the perfect note for the perfect time yep all the time and it's such for me like i didn't understand that when i was younger because i'm like oh you just do whatever you want and it's like you know the expressions that but you're right what you're trying to do is is you're trying to find that magic moment not only for you the guitarist and the way the guitar resonates and how it affects your body and how it affects the amplifier and how it affects but how it affects the audience and how it affects the sound that's coming out of the speakers and how that's going to react to the person listening to it whether they're sitting in front of you and you're playing it live to them or they're sitting, you know, with a bunch of headphones on on a train next to that smelly guy and all you can really smell is that smelly guy. What you want to be able to do is with whatever note, whatever sound, whatever signal, whatever lyric that you're putting towards on, putting on paper or putting towards that piece of music that you're writing, you want to transcend that person as well as yourself, obviously, but that person into that next stage Mm. of, of, being part of the music, feeling that they're just as much as part of the music as you sitting there writing the song. And that's really important. And I still feel that to this day. Like I'll sit at work, you know, I'll listen to a, you know, a guitar solo by someone or, you know, an instrumental or a vocalist singing and it's suddenly like, oh my God, this is all I want to do. I just want to go home and play guitar. But in the same sense, that gives me, that's my motivation, mm-hmm. I guess, because this is not my full-time job, you know, my full-time job is doing projects for the government. And as much as I love that, because it's it's one part of my mind that I love doing, I think the break, for, and this is one of the reasons why I didn't go and study music at a university level, but allowing myself to have small, short 
bursts of inspiration, love, passion really makes me a better person because I want to do that and I have that outlet that not many other people have the privilege of having, especially at the level that I, you know, I can communicate my music via dots on paper and pass it off to a mate of mine and he'll be able to play it as well and experience what I've put on paper. And it's, it's such an amazing feeling. And again, I haven't done the meditation course or anything like that. It's more of something that I've sort of developed internally because of the music I've played over time. Yeah, it's just, I guess it's just a different perspective of it. So it's just, but it's interesting seeing yeah. what you're, you've done with your rap music and, and the way that you compose and put things together compared to what I've done, I guess, coming from a classical background and coming from a, I guess, like formal education of music. Mm. And it's, it's so many similar things. Like we're trying to reach that point of there are no limits between the music, the artist, the, the audience, the listener, wherever they are. It's about putting them into a different mindset when that music is being played. Well, well my question to Mesh is what is the point of your rap? The point of my rap is that this is something moving through me here now. That's the reality of my situation. And and part of me is aware that tomorrow I could wake up with zero motivation to so much as get out of bed or pray or go for a walk or write music. And I have to be okay with that being an impending future at some point. I mean, it might be when I'm 86 years old that that happens. But at some point, that might happen. But the point of my rap is that here now, the reality is that this is something moving through me and, and it, it's lighting a fire in my body that all I can do to keep sane, to, to feel as good and useful and productive as I do each day is to put that music out there. So the point of my rap at this point in time is actually super selfish. It's, it's purely all I want to do is make music. So I'm going to keep making music. And as I keep making music, I continue to learn more about myself and I continue to learn more about the things that seem to be bouncing around the back of my head. I'm not going to lie. A lot of the music I've um, written down and a lot of the lyrics I try to write or if I try it in freestyle for example which I'm very bad at uh, but if I do try it tends to revolve around pretty base kind of ideas and it tends to be very adversarial it tends to be very sexually driven um, it tends to be very uh, uh, drug related sometimes oh, Freud and, would love you oh massively right and it, it makes me question you know where's that coming from is that coming from just because that's all the music I've been listening to for a long period of time, or is that underlying desires or fears or whatever? Like, well, that's what from? Freud would say: underlying desires, right? And, so, and when going, and going off of what I do, I mean, you know, some days I'm like, I can listen to '80s hair metal all day, and yeah. suddenly I can go home and just rip out '80s hair metal riffs, like yeah. twenty of them, and the next day I hate them all because suddenly I'm in a progressive rock mood and I just want to hear, uh, you know melodies in like you know seven eight time signatures and then nine eight time signatures and mm -hmm. just you know i want something so odd it's stupid or you know yeah. then i listen to king crimson and i want to hear two time signatures happening at the same time in two different keys make sure that they actually sync up at the 40 second beat but for me like you know that that's the experience that i can have and i guess you know i guess going on that next level you know like some people listen to an audio book and read the book at the same time mm. and it's that experience that some people don't enjoy but i can do that with music and you know, i can read a piece of sheet music read it as it's played and i can understand it on a deeper level mm. it it's something that puts your mind at ease when you know you know when people go oh, i sleep to music or i listen to music to calm down for me there is that aspect of it too but for me, it's almost like this what engages my brain 
to want to do more work because that's what fires me up. You know, even it can be something slow, a ballad, it can do this and that. But if I've, I'm listening to it intently enough, I can go, it's doing this and it's this chord progression. I understand why it works in this way. And suddenly my brain's got a million ideas because like, how can I do something with that? And sometimes that translates to spreadsheets at work. Mm. But sometimes it translates to, you know, me playing soccer on a soccer pitch. Or sometimes it translates to what, the, what I'm doing at the podcast. Well, that's, and, that's, mm. and, that's, and that's that magic that happens within your mind when you listen or read music or do something like that and see i think that magic that that you've used to describe i think that's perfect because that's actually like the quintessential thing that humans have over every other species in the world it's what's got us to here today have you how many times have you sat around bored out of your minds drunk out of your minds it doesn't matter and something just occurs to you and you get up and you move a chair and you put a a a salt shaker on top of the chair and you call it something, and that's the thing that came into your head, and you don't know why, but you just acted on it. I made a seat out of uh, empty cans. <laughs> because you, know, you could, to pass the I time. <laughs> it, it occurred to you, and you followed through on it, right? And I glued it together, and it fell apart. But I was quite impressed of my seat can. Yeah, massively. And, and tens I called it of the thousands, can. hundreds. <laughs> Oh, that's gold. Oh, jeez. <laughs> right, I, I, There's some inspiration for you. Well, before more toilet humor. <laughs> before we wrap up, no, no, I, 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 I've, I've got a few other things I want to. Interested to to hear from you, Mash. Um, so you went on this ten day meditation, and then you continued to travel, mm-hmm. and I believe you went to was it Saudi Saudi Arabia? That's right, Saudi Arabia and Pakistan. That's right. And was the Bangladesh? In uh, there? Dubai in there as well. Oh, sorry, Dubai and the Philippines uh, before those uh, sub uh, yep. Middle Eastern countries. Okay, so so Philipp- Philippines is interesting because of mm. the the president that they have at the moment. Yeah, Saudi Arabia is interesting because it's Saudi Arabia always, and Dubai. Yeah, there's Dubai, lots of princes there. Pakistan's pa- Pakistan's plenty interesting. Pakistan's interesting, yeah, and, and Saudi Arabia is interesting, and and. And yeah, go. I'll give you. I'll give you a quick rundown. So I was in the Philippines, and the first day I arrived, that was just off the back of my meditation retreat. I was hanging out with my Aussie mate, who I haven't seen in forever. And and Harry, if you're listening, I love you, mate. We as soon as we met up, put my bags down as accommodation. Let's go get a beer. Now the very antithesis of of meditation and and what I didn't think would happen, but then that becomes that the next day is day drinking with his filipino mates and that was interesting because there we are getting drunk and and being friends and getting to know each other and at one point i was about to make a flippant comment about duterte about the president and then kind of something something in the back of my head told me hey hang on slow that one down a little bit and turned it around into okay so what do you guys think of duterte and at this point harry still shot me a look and he was like watch what you do here so Around the table they went. Some guys kind of were a little bit shy and nervous. The oldest of the group um, was actually wearing a wristband that was pro-Duterte. I didn't realize, but he was. And apparently anyone wearing that wristband, you should know, is a Duterte fan, at, to say the least. He was very quick to be like, I think Duterte is a great Can president. we get our own bands for the We Only Do One Take podcast? You're the one going to beat them. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Sorry. <laughs> so I think um, he he started to explain that as far as they were concerned in this rural village that we were living in, as far as they were concerned, Duterte is fantastic because because of him, crime has gone down. Because of him, education has gone up because he cares a lot about education. He does. It's amazing. 
Um, because of him, a lot of sort of social services have gone up. And it's not like he's very socially oppressive. It's just that we on the outside in the West have been reported to constantly that he is a criminal. He's a former warlord. He's someone who has ordered the executions of countless people, extrajudicial killings, mind you, not through the criminal justice system, but simply that guy's a drug dealer, killer. Yeah. And I, all, a lot of the news that I've heard about him is the fact that he's gone, that person's a drug dealer. If you're dealing drugs, I will kill you. Yeah. Like, not like we will kill you as a society. No, I will get my gun and shoot you. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, very extreme, but you've got to admire the balls on there's, that guy. There's I mean, a certain <laughs> vigilantism and, and he's got the power to do it. He's, he's more or less just an open to the public kind of Batman type figure mm. who just says, I'm here to make my country better. I know exactly how it needs to be done. We take out the drugs. We increase spending for education. And he just goes out and does it. He doesn't care. Mm. And he's very open-faced about it. But, of course, in the West, that's not generally the type of politics we play. We don't really like that. So, of course, what we get reported to is that this is a man with this dark and shady past and he's doing deals with these communists and these blah, 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 and you stir up fears. Um, so it was a really interesting conversation. It was really eye-opening for me to hear from the layman, very much the layman in rural Philippines. Because you're in, you're in the Philippines, yep. meanwhile, while we're being reported that there's also a war going on, that there's fighting. Between rebel groups, Between rebel right? groups, and, and, and that it's dangerous to go to. Uh, in, in certain areas. And in mm. fact, probably within about 50 to 70 kilometers of where we were was an area that you just shouldn't go, especially if you're a foreigner, um, rebels will sort of kidnap people and there's a liberation army. And and as much as that individual that was pro-Duterte um, would, you know, espouse the merits of, of Duterte and his policies, I still met people that thought Duterte is uh, more or less of a criminal that they've somehow elected. Um, so, of course, two sides to every single coin. And, of course, the people who were pro-democracy, pro-liberation, there was more or less of a people's liberation army, not quite the Chinese one, but they, they saw themselves as that and that they were out to free people from under the oppressive grip of, of Duterte and his policies. So, um, yes, there are, but it's so small scale that it was actually kind of a laughing matter. They were like, oh, you might get kidnapped for a couple of days. And then when they realize like, they can't contact your family or anything for a ransom, they'll probably just let you go. Because it's actually more trouble for them to kill you than to like just let you go. Like, you got to bury your body. You yeah. got a car. You got a small car. You can't fit the body in the oh, boot. What and you, you got to yeah. do? And you got to dig a hole. Oh. Yeah. Plus, a foreigner's murder a on their hands is not great either. But yeah. but it was it was th that kind of thing. So again, kind of blowing it out of proportion to score some political points. Obviously, at the time, there was a lot of contention around who people support, which regimes, and stuff like that. Um. So that was a really cool experience. Um, but again, off the back of meditation, probably the most powerful experience I then had was to go and complete um, pilgrimage in uh, Mecca. And when I say pilgrimage, I'm, there's Hajj, which happens at a certain time of year, and that's at the end of Ramadan. And then there's Umrah, which happens any other time, and it's more or less like a voluntary off-season Hajj. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but um, every Muslim must at one point go to go there at, yeah, yeah. to Mecca at once in their life unless they can't afford it or like there's some stipulations. That's Basically, right. There's, everyone yeah. has to go. Yeah, exactly right. Every and, Muslim, and, it's and one And this, the... is, this is really interesting, right? Because mm. it's, it's no shock to it's the It's like nine. Italians going to the Vatican. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's no shock to the nine listeners that I'm not, I'm not a fan of religion, right? Yeah. Um, I, I am, but I'm only for the art. <laughs> but mind you, Such I went to, I went, a few years ago, two years ago, I went to, what's it, the end of Ramadan, Id? Uh, yes. 
And I, I am once again a fan of celebrating all cultures, mm-hmm. especially through food, and all yeah. especially through food, because food brings us together. And oh my god, I was in—I think I woke up in heaven that night. That was just amazing. Anyway, I'm to all the listeners. I will go to Id. Just, just saying. Inshallah. Send us a uh, a letter. <laughs> uh, no, no, like, so, so interesting. So Saudi Arabia is something I know nothing about. All mm-hmm. I know is that women can't drive cars, that two pilot, two female pilots flew... And a uh, robot is now uh, legally a citizen has more rights than yeah. uh, most women. I think we talked about that. We did talk yeah. about that. And females can land, pilot, uh, can land planes in Saudi Arabia, then they can't drive the car. That's all I know. Yeah. So interesting. So you went to Mecca. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it was... It was an incredible time. It was it was me getting back in touch with my faith. As I said before, it's something that I grew up with. It was something that I was more or less in the in the same way any young person that grows up in a religious household is told these are the things that we do. Not this is an answer to that deep existential question that you have or that you may have or that you may develop over the next three years of cognitive development. It's simply this is how we pray. These are the words you say. This is what you say before we eat. This is what you say when you're done eating. This is how you greet your elders. When it's when it's quite ritualized like that without much explanation, it was something that made me quite cynical. I was kind of like, all right, well, this is this is a control system. This is, you know, I, the more I would read Western philosophy and everything, I would say, oh, of course, I'm being oppressed. And what I found by going to Mecca, by being in that place that was so holy, I was surrounded by literally tens of thousands of people doing the exact same thing as me. It was so equal. I was there dressed in plain white garb, as is the man next to me, as is the other man next to me, as is this old person, this young woman who might have been 15 years old, separated from her mother, crying, but then taking solace in the fact that she's literally got a hand on the house of God. Like the the figurative, like you can't you have to say figurative, but as far as Muslims are concerned, that black cube in the middle of Mecca is the house of God on earth. And and when you're there, you can't help but feel love and joy and, and, and such a relief to get to be in that place. And and that at least that was what I took away from it. I saw people that were acting less than holy in trying to touch a certain place. There's stations of, kind of like the stations of the cross in the pilgrimage for, for Jesus and all. There's certain stations um, dotted throughout uh, the, the Kaaba where some people were, absolutely overcome with religious zealous like religious zeal to try and touch a certain thing or kiss a certain thing and it that blew my mind that you're literally standing at the house of god acting in such a way but for me what i took away from it was was actual power to actually feel like wow i can be in this place and i can take as long as i want i can ask god for anything i want i can have such a sense of connection to the universe, the creative force, the the source of what lies at the core of all existence, within and without existence, the the meeting point of everything and nothing. I was I was in contact with that, and as long as I believed that, that allowed me to feel power. So I continue to believe that, and I continue to feel powerful, and I continue to feel like I can have an infinite well of love in my heart to. Um, to give to other people and and to power myself on a day to day basis and to to feel the sense of self worth required to get up and get out of bed and beat the depression that kicked my ass last year and the year before that and the year before that and to to have it so quickly impact my perspective that I have to believe that something else is at play there 
So that's that's the experience that I had of it is is to be in that place that's so set up, so ritualized in one way gave me so much freedom and and liberty to express and to explore the depths of my mind, the depths of my soul. And then what I came up with in terms of answers were just like, just love. Like all you need is love. Like go out into the world and and you send it out and you get it back tenfold. Like nothing else works that way in this world. So there has to be something to the fact that when I listen to a certain piece of music or or pray a certain way or breathe in a meditation a certain way, and I feel those vibrations and shivers and and things that happen when, Kieran, you described you go to another world when you listen to a certain song, when you're caught in the right moment, the, the right note played at the right time, something happens, something moves within you. And some people call that God. Some people call that music. Some people call that the firing of a certain receptor in the brain to trigger a certain hormone. I, I, don't, I don't mind what you want to call it. I don't mind what it is to you. But to me, that's going to Mecca, having that meditative experience. That's where I found that sense of purpose for myself to come back and, and to do what I now do every day. See, very interesting. From, from, from my perspective, right, I would say spiritual experience, mm-hmm. right, spiritual experience. Is it something that you think, you know, me being a non-Muslim, right, right um, I'm not going to go to America and I'm not going to do that. But is it something that you think that that should happen, or do you think that people should have that in other forms, or or or, or like, like it, it's interesting to hear your perspective, right? Because it's something that I know nothing, very little about. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, I sort of go, yeah, but I've got my own, like I've got my own things that I do, or my own new rituals and my own things, and I'm quite happy in my non, you know, my non-religious, my non-belief, my non you know, skeptical world, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, Not every person in the world should have to go to Mecca. Mm. I, based on my experience, I would say that not every person needs to have a pilgrimage or a a deeply profound, intense, ritualized, structured program to achieve a degree of peace and personal honesty and, and personal growth the way that I did. Um, I think that each and every person's experience is going to be very different. I think if I compare my experience to that of uh, my younger brother, who was there on the exact same trip to Mecca, he wasn't there for the meditation. Um, He came away with, I don't know, to see him, to hear him tell it. It was an experience for him. It was an intellectual exercise. and, And he got some value out of it and he appreciates it for what it was. But I've yet to hear him kind of, babble on the way I have sort of talked your ears off about my experience of it um, when he describes it for himself. So I would say that every person comes to each experience with a certain degree of readiness in their life. Um, what was integral for me was ready was was being open to the idea that this could change me and then being open to the idea that any experience can change a person and, and being open to that degree of change and, and fluctuation and identity and being and in spirituality and comfort and confidence. Um, once you have that readiness, then you can open yourself up to a deeply profound spiritual experience or an intellectual awakening, a new mode of thought um, that powers you. So I, you know, don't don't lose any sleep over the fact that you'll never go to Mecca and have an experience like the one that I've described, because the one that I've described might not necessarily be the experience that you want in your life. It might not be something that you feel fits into your scheme of who you want to be one day 
So you actually, there was a time when I would have said, oh, that doesn't sound good to me. What, you get up and you do the same prayer every morning and then you go and do the same walk and then blah, blah, blah. And that sounds boring. And I think maybe one of my biggest, deepest wishes of what could have happened from meditation unfortunately came true. I did become more boring compared to my past self, but I really love who I am now. And I, I say that with such confidence. Like I, I love myself in a way that I never have before. And every day I just do things that make me love me more so that I can go about loving the world that we live in more, that I can go about putting more of myself and of what this existence is back into existence. Mm, very interesting. I think that on that note. Oh, I've got one thing. You got one, I've oh, got one come thing. Come on, mate. <laughs> We've been here for two hours. I know. Like, everyone needs to go. Church has got his eyes, got oh. bags under his eyes. He's got work. I'm just looking at it going, I'm going to edit this. <laughs> like, God damn, do you know how long this takes? Every minute that's there, it takes me a minute and a half to edit. <laughs> You'll like this. I thought, I thought, let's finish on, let's finish on a, on a, on a, on a quick article. A very quick article. Just you'll you'll appreciate this. What's the weirdest thing you do in the shower, Church? <laughs> <laughs> I think Church is really just dismissing the value of this segment so that he can just blanket delete it. Mash, it's been great having you on. It's been an absolute pleasure Thank being you very here. Much. Thank you for entertaining my wacky delusional thoughts about existence and music, but it's been an absolute pleasure. That's a good and thank you to our listeners if you're still listening. God bless you. That's it. That's it. And uh, Mash, just give us another plug of all your, all your stuff where we can find it. Uh, yeah, so my music can be found on Facebook, facebook.com slash MQ. That's spelled E-M-K-E-W. And uh, there's a new single that'll be out at the top of the page. And uh, that's the number one place to get it. Excellent. And of course, you can find the We Only Do One Take podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and we'll be posting this up on Facebook for ease and access and availability which should be on your phone all the time that's it kieran thank you so much for another long fantastic episode that's all right <laughs> With hours and hours for me to edit and we will i'll see we'll, you next tuesday we'll see you next tuesday that's it